Hi, I'm Graham Lasso, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat with Chris, Craig, and Brady. Welcome to the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat pod. On today's pod, we look at which Chelsea players have been informed for their national sides this past fortnight, and we preview our trip to the South Coast versus Bournemouth. I'm Craig, and as I'm always, I'm joined by our good friend Brady. We're just a two-man pod this week, as there is no Chris. How you doing, Brady? Yeah, I'm good. Chris hasn't been seen since the uh, Nick Jackson missed chance, so <laughs> I think we're going to get the miss, the missing posters out. Uh, we didn't get, you know, we didn't get a pod out last week. Might have been to do with that, but yeah, I've actually enjoyed the the international break for once. Had some nice country walks. Finally got that Nottingham Forest game out of my head. And I think there's a bit, been a bit of a hangover from last season for some Chelsea fans. So although we only had four games, it was nice to have a bit of a break. So yeah, back back refreshed, ready to go. Yeah, not just a break from the games. We had a break from the pod as well as uh, the. we had a few technical issues with our Forest pod and it didn't actually get sent out last week. We might be able to get that sorted in the future, but not sure who's going to listen to an out-of-time uh, Forest review when we lost 1-0. Maybe the, the hardcore only. Well, I think I think a few few fans were saying that they wanted to hear us, you know, uh, crying after our over-enthusiastic Luton pod, so maybe, <laughs> we, should, maybe we should release it. But uh, no, these things happen and then we, you know, we're still an up-and-coming pods. But yeah. Shouldn't happen too much, but yeah, plenty more content to come. Exactly, exactly. So let's quickly talk about the the international break, the brutal international break that always happens at the start of September, just as the Prem season gets going. Um, Enzo Fernandez played a couple of games for Argentina, 90 minutes in in a 1-0 win versus Ecuador. Completed 78 of his 88 passes in that one, including one key pass, and then managed to score a goal. Uh, a fantastic goal, actually, where he was almost got into the six-yard box um, in a 3-0 win for Argentina versus Bolivia. What are we making about Enzo Fernandez and his sort of more advanced role that he seems to be playing for both Chelsea and Argentina? I mean, I've heard he's been channeling his inner Frank Lampard. I saw a clip. I mean, I, I've, I'll be honest, full disclosure, I haven't watched the games. So you see clips on Twitter. I saw him trying shots. You do, you do find that Enzo now, even with Chelsea, trying a lot more shots. Never really saw him shoot last season from a deep position. I've doubted in the WhatsApp group and on the pod wherever he can really score goals for us. And he just he did open his account against Wimbledon. But if he can chip in with goals as well as assists, he could really be a good weapon for us. Because I'm not going to compare him to the likes of De Bruyne's and but maybe a player a bit like a Gundogan or someone who different types of players but can play fairly deep but also chip in with goals. But um, yeah, to bring that attacking side to his game is not something we've really seen from him very much before, really, is it? No, and I, I question his, his fit as well, really, in, in this role. I've always liked Enzo as sort of more of a uh, a tempo man in midfield, keeping things ticking over. I think he kind of do a bit of everything. Um, I, don't, I don't really like him in the final third, although this was quite a sharp finish and, and some good movement and was Argentina's furthest forward player as well for this goal. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it'd be interesting to see. I certainly don't like where we're playing him at the moment, obviously with our injuries at, at sort of left 10. I think that's not the position for him at all but yeah it'll be interesting to see what we do formation wise um going into Bournemouth and then see what we do with our midfield Gallagher's obviously played really well but 
I just don't know if we need Gallagher, Enzo, and Caicedo in mm. midfield. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. A little bit like uh, just comparison. A little bit like the Jurgen Klopp's old school midfield with like you went out um, Henderson and um, Fabinho or something like that, where you've got the engine room but really not a lot of goals. But they obviously they had the uh, amazing attack that they had, and we haven't got that. If we had a more reliable attack, you think that that base, or even if we're going to play a Lavia, Caicedo and Enzo, we just don't really have the goals in in attack to be playing these sort of more central midfielders without a goal for it. So, yeah, I agree, it's a bit of a worry. So, even free kicks, Enzo. So, maybe in training he's a bit sharp, but haven't seen it in his Chelsea career yet, this sharpness in front of goal, or except more of an assist man for me. Yeah, I don't mind his uh, him being on free kicks. I think he, he potentially is mm. good at that. And also penalties as well. Obviously, we've seen one really bad penalty, but I'm not going to write him off just after that. We'll see whether he gets yeah. the next one potentially on, on Sunday. Uh, mm. Another player in, played in South America. A lot of our players like a bit of a travel, and that's going to be a common theme going forward, actually, with uh, all the South American players that we've signed. But Moises Caicedo um, played for Ecuador, was one of their best players in their 1-0 loss to Argentina where he was only dribbled past once in the entire game and assisted a goal and had a 92% pass accuracy in their 2-1 yeah. win over Uruguay. What do we think about Moises Caicedo? And also in that game, sorry, I forgot to note, Kenny Paez, 16-year-old yeah. Chelsea player, looking very lively, playing for Ecuador in that. Very, very exciting. I'm glad you said that boy's name first because I was going to mispronounce that. I'm, I'm, I butcher Chelsea players' name, but it doesn't count because he's actually not a Chelsea player. I know you don't like us butchering Chelsea players' second names, but he's not a Chelsea player yet, so that doesn't count. Uh, I'll start with Caicedo. Yeah, I mean, he was barging messy about, wasn't he? No respects. He was like, you know, no respect at all. Like, he was chopping bits out of the greatest player of all time. You get what you get with Caicedo. I mean, he's got a very high uh, pass completion rate. I think that's also... Because he does try, he, he, he's not the most progressive passer, I'd say. I mean, he, he can be, but he does a lot of sideways passing and around in that middle third. But he is so strong off the ball. He, he gives you, it's a lazy comparison, but he gives you Kante vibes a lot the way he high recoveries and winning the ball back. But he's very, very physical. And he's so young. And as long as he stays fit, and, um, and we've even seen against Nottingham, actually, even though Casado gave the ball away for the Nottingham Forest game, I remember saying in the first half, I thought he was the best player in the first half uh, against Nottingham Forest, personally. So. Um, yeah, really excited. And what do you think of him? I mean, he's looking stronger and stronger, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really get a chance to play too much for Brighton. Um, uh, only the the one preseason game, and obviously he was chucked in with us. He he looks pretty sharp, I think. And and yeah, we'll see again what the midfield structure looks like. Uh, I would love to see a two with Enzo and Caicedo. So we will see. I know it's a, a bit harsh on on Conor Gallagher, but but yeah. It's a good point about um, pre-season, actually, because it's, I mean, I, we usually loathe these players going, you know, to far other end of the world when we've got Bournemouth away on the windy south coast on a Sunday afternoon coming up. But um, it could actually be a nice little pre-season for him, in a sense, for getting more game time. Because as you say, I mean, he spent a lot of the sun, latter parts of the summer probably on the end of the phone or talking to his agent or in hotels. And I'm sure there's a lot of nervous energy around getting the the, the deal done. So, um, 16 year old, I think I think that was a, a record for Ecuador. Um, you you sent you sent the old uh, the clipped highlight video of the chill rap, chill rap music. They're all, Absolutely. They're, yeah, you know you always get the uh, you know you can fall asleep to it. Just a chill rap music and lovely dribbling. It looks quite raw. Um, plays you know very quite similar in a way to Angelo, the player that we've got at Strasbourg, but he does look amazing for a 16-year-old. And I think it's my understanding that on his 18th birthday, he'll join Chelsea. Yeah, so likely summer of 2025, I think he'll probably end up joining. Yeah, I mean, maybe 
traditionally, like your 18th birthday, you can give a cheers with a single beer or something, and that'd be his first legal <laughs> beer. That'd be his first legal beer in Britain. But uh, yeah, I mean, he looks a player, unbelievable. But another, I mean, this left, this right wing, I think it's very fashionable where this kind of right wing inverted uh, left footed player, Madueke, uh, Angelo, were well covered there, and um, Palmer even. So got a lot of left footers, and um, obviously, we don't know what where the club's going to be in two years. Hopefully. More up there in the top top three of the league, challenging. But yeah, I mean, he looks an amazing talent, and we have. It's clear that I think it's already becoming clear that like not all these players that we bought are really going to make them up that much of a market, Chelsea. But some really, really will. And even if twenty percent, twenty thirty percent of them do, then that would be great, and they could become superstars. So that's the model they're going for, I think. Let's quickly talk about England players as well. Uh, they played a couple of games. I didn't watch either of them, but I'm sure it looks like we we did all right. Um, Levi Colwell didn't play. You love watching England, mate. I don't, what's, what's, you, you what's <laughs> <laughs> Levi Colwell didn't feature in either game. Uh, ben Chilwell, I think, was, was pretty solid. Yeah, from what I hear, against Ukraine, but then didn't feature against Scotland. And uh, Conor Gallagher managed to be sort of a eighty to ninetieth minute sub in both yeah. games. Just getting yeah. a couple of caps, getting his getting his feet wet, I guess, yeah. for England. Uh, as well, not really much to talk about, I guess, with, with the England players. Yeah, I think with Colwell, I think there's a Rio Ferdinand thing where, you know, Colwell was getting left out and Maguire's playing and I know Southgate came out and really defended Harry Maguire, but with Colwell, I think his time will come with England, especially as a, as a left-footed um, centre-back as well is really valuable. We have a we have a lot of them, but left-footed centre-backs are really valuable in world football. There's a lot, a lot of teams that want them. Um, and I think England would be really valuable. So, yeah, I saw Chile's performance. I thought he was pretty solid. I was pretty happy he didn't play against Scotland just because of the injury risk. Um, but, yeah, yeah, nothing really to, to report, really. Ian Matson didn't make the squad in either game for the Netherlands, uh, so it was not on, even on the bench, I believe. Um, and Nicholas Jackson was left out of the first game to much to the panic of, of Chelsea Twitter against Senegal because he was called up and then didn't even make the bench um, in for, for Senegal. And then he did play in a 1-0 loss to Algeria and uh, I think uh, probably didn't have the best day either. Yeah. What, what were you thinking about Nicholas Jackson as he, as he comes back? What, what, what's he going to be feeling? Well, um, I'll talk about it a bit more in the, in the preview later with Brochure, but I think he's really feeling the weight of um, expectation. I think when we brought him in, I mean, I think you and I even questioned his signing. I mean, he, he, he's a, fanta- a fantastic runner on the ball, but he's not a, go- he's not a lethal goal scorer. He's still developing. And um, I mean, you, know, you don't want to compare him to Drogba, but even when Drogba first came to the club, there was a lot of issues. I think he dived around a little bit. There were some other issues going on off the field and stuff like that. But for me, it seems like he seems like a man with a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And, and I remember when he when we lost against Nottingham Forest at the end. I think you, you and Chris probably left the ground. He was like thumping the ground in frustration. I think he really feels under pressure. And I think I'll talk about later the introduction of Armando Brozier into the team will really help him. Maybe put Nick, Nick Jackson on the left, chop his minutes up a little bit. He's a young lad. He's only had half a season really of good form in the league. So a lot of pressure on him. And maybe we need to take the pressure off him a little bit. That's my reading of him at the moment. What about you? Yeah, I I do think you know he's the sort of player that could do with just a scrappy goal or something just to get him. Yeah. You know, is everything has to be perfect at the moment. I know obviously he missed that chance against Forest, but he's doing everything right for me. Um, I think the Chelsea fans in general are going to be quite patient with him, and uh, yeah, 
I'm, I feel confident about him. Obviously, he's got a good chance. We're looking like we're going to probably score against uh, against Bournemouth on Sunday. He's going to have a great chance to score as well. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, I'm feeling too down on Nicholas Jackson. I just hope he keeps his no. head up. Not, not a slight on Nick, but how, do you know how many big chances he's missed in the first four Premier League games? Big chances missed? Yeah. I'll go with three. Six. Wow. So six is, he's, he's, he's missing a chance and a half every game. And that's remember he had a tap-in against Luton. Um, so he needs to, I mean, I, I got that from an FPL uh, podcast today and they always say, well, it's, it's better than him only having one, one big chance and one goal. If he's getting the big chances, eventually it will come. But we really hope that he doesn't turn into a case of he's just not converting enough big chances. So he needs, that's one area of his game. We'll put it all back together and he needs to start converting big chances if he's going to play in the nine. Um, I think he, I think the Nkunku injury has really heat the pressure on him a little bit because I think Nkunku obviously would have, he was going to be the talisman in the attack, wasn't he? That's pretty clear now, even though he hasn't even played a Premier League minute for us. And Jackson was going to be a little bit more of a side man, but kind of develop him in, younger player, more of a raw player. But yeah, it's kind of the roles have been reversed. And if he's going to play up there, he's got to start putting the chances away, really, if we're going to be in a top four, top five race this year. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about Cole Palmer and Noni Madweke. Yeah. They played in England's <laughs> under-21 game against Luxembourg. Yeah, uh, <laughs> goal Palmer managed to get a goal, and what a goal it was as well. Ball came across from the left side, and he popped it right into the top corner with his yeah. left foot. Madweke had a good game as well. Two young players trying to build their confidence and maybe get a start on Sunday against Bournemouth. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, I think the Nolly got an assisting part. Cole Palmer got a goal and assist. I really like the look of Cole Palmer. I mean, a bit of an out there sign at the time, but I, I, in the uh, lost uh, not in the not on Forest pod, I'm not sure it's going to come out. He was actually. Um, he was actually warming up. I thought he was really good when he came on in a very dire, hectic situation where we were like trying to break down the low block. I mean, you could tell we've played for Man City before because he's, he's used to trying to break down the low block, which Man City are so adept at. And I think he really helped us with that. He's a creative player. And yeah, I'm impressed with Cole. And in terms of Nonny, I think with Nonny, I was really high on him last season. But I think you've seen a player now very raw. And I think he, that last bit of his game is he needs in terms of he just hangs on to the ball a little bit too much sometimes. And just needs that composure and that will come with game time and it'll be interesting because they've, they've got a real I think they're, they're friends off the pitch they've got a real connection it, 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 you wonder if they can both get in the, t- the the team sheet together I mean obviously you put Palmer in the 10 and Nolly in, on the right wing but that's quite a big gamble for Poch I suppose and with Conor Gallagher playing so well I'm not sure if you want to drop him in the 10 but we'll see but they're both very very talented players and uh, left footers I'm a left footer left footed union love all that but yeah we've got plenty of inverted left footed players and I think they've both got a lot of potential and uh, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited about both those players. And yeah, like you said, I think, um, you know, a chance to, to start on, on Sunday against Bournemouth. Yeah. I think Madwake had a really good game against Bournemouth away last year. Mm. Uh, one of the few games that we, we played well in at the end of the last season. So yes. uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll at least see a sub appearance from both. Um, another under-21 or another couple of under-21 players for France, Leslie Ugochukwu and Malagusto both played in the under-21s for France versus Denmark. Um, interesting to talk about Gusto. Obviously, he's uh, he's backing up Rhys James. Rhys James might be back. But also interesting to talk about Ugochukwu because we thought that he potentially would go on loan and he's actually probably going to end up and be our midfield four um, number four, uh, what do we think about both those players? We haven't really actually mentioned the pod so far. We've probably mentioned that Romeo Lavia has been injured. I think he's been 
correct me, was it two months out? Is that correct? Yeah, it's looking like around that, yeah. Some ankle yeah, ligament strain. A real, sh- real shame. Um, but it's a good chance we kept Leslie around because he, he, he looks good. He looks like a... It looks like a player that if he really develops, maybe he would be worth 70, 80 million in a couple of years and maybe we got him early. Hopefully if he can develop and we can keep his development going. But he looked good against Wimbledon, very strong player, uh, can pass progressively, got a bit of a got a bit a little bit of an either goal in the attacking third. And uh yeah, I mean and with Malo Gusto, it's interesting, I've got him in my FPL team. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with him, because obviously Rich James might be coming back in, but he he's very solid. I think you're going to get a lot of seven and eight out of tens out of Malagusta. I don't think you're going to get many nine nine out of tens or ten out of tens. That's more Reese James territory. But he's very consistent. He's, he's actually a very very good crosser of the ball. Uh, mainly mainly more a head height, which is a bit of an issue because Jackson can't really head. But if we get Brozier in there, very very good crosser of the ball. And you know he he, he can't say he's given himself a pretty good audition to stay in the team. Two two assists against uh, Luton and a very good performance. Even against uh, Nottingham Forest, I thought he was fairly solid. So, Reese James is a captain. He probably will walk back into the team, but it'd be quite tough for uh, for Malaga to be. Well, how do you how do you see that situation? Would you would you ease James back in, or would you what would you do? Oh yeah, I'd be surprised if James just came in and started straight away off the off the back of this injury. Yeah, um, especially with Gusto playing, you know, pretty well in these in these games overall, I would say. And um, with regards to Kachukwu. I do think that he is going to play some minutes for us. I don't think he's just going to be there and sat in the under-21s. I think they would have yeah. just loaned him or, or done something else with him if if he wasn't going to feature. So, yeah, I think uh, he looked pretty good in that Wimbledon game from what I saw as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think even though obviously he won't be featuring as a starter for us, you know, I think you will, you will see him get some minutes for us. I think it's handy because um, obviously if, if Kaiseido were to be injured, we wouldn't really have a pure DM and Ugochuk could come in. Uh, with Lavia being injured. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's good to be kept in his very good cover. Absolutely. We'll quickly gloss over a couple of players that didn't feature. Petkovic was left out of Serbia's squad in the first game and didn't play in the second. Axel Dezassi did not play a minute for France in either game. Um, and that moves us on to a big talking point for Chelsea Twitter and just Chelsea in general, I guess. Chelsea fans in and amongst the ground. I know I ended up chatting to a few season ticket holders about it. This guy against Forrest, Mikalo Mudrik, who uh, looked very poor against England from from what I heard and then only featured for 30 minutes in the in the next game against Italy. What do we think? A uh, similar sort of chat that we had about Jackson, I guess, but even to a worse extent with Mudrik, his confidence is is really very low at the moment. What What do we think about him? I mean, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the amount of international football you've been watching. We don't really, me and you, don't really bother international footballs and non-tournaments. But the one bit I did watch in this break, I, I turned on the uh, Ukraine England game about 65 minutes in, and Mudrik literally just ran from the wing into a body of players to sort of out of control. And he seems, he seems very raw at the moment, low on confidence. I think the main issue is is how we're going to fit him into the system. There was a quote from Lee and Tooney in The Athletic that Chilwell's been uh, used because he's more reliable to stay in his position and he's more positionally aware. That shows you that Poch has probably done this system with Chilwell and the left wing and Colwell left back because he doesn't really trust Madrid positionally in terms of pressing and areas of the pitch. And you can tell that um, I think what happened, I've actually, we listened to, actually you posted a podcast for, that from The Athletic that 
Uh, when he played for Shakhtar on Zerbi, he was given a bit of a free reign. A lot of the Brazilian players left through COVID, so he was a kind of bright star, and he was kind of the main person in the team. And it was a kind of a little bit of give it a ball to Mudrik and see what he can do. He's gone from being the main player in a team to really just being completely in and out, not not the main focus of the team, fighting for minutes with other quality wingers. Might be a bit of a problem in adjusting to that, so we'll have to wait and see. But very talented player, super raw. Uh, he's raw... His raw talent is all all there to see, but it is worrying. It is worrying how he's going to progress. How about you? How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, he's he's an older player than Saka. He's older than Martinelli. You know, I, I yeah. do think we feel like sometimes for Mudrik that he's some sort of, you know, really young, cheap player that we sort of can just nurture. He looks sort of like a headless chicken out there sometimes. And, you know, or maybe he'll come good. Obviously, he's got some great attributes. But you do have to, you know, he's, at the end of the day, a very expensive player. And he's he's 22 years old, you know. He's 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 not, you know, a, a young youth pro- project. You know, he should be coming into a, a time where he really should be featuring in in the first team. And and you know, when you're thinking about Bournemouth away on on Sunday, you're not really thinking this guy needs to start. Well, I'm not anyway. Mm. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'd be more happy moving Sterling to the left and putting Mad Wake on the right and and Palmer and at ten if we're going to play four two three one. Than I would be trying to fit in Mudrik, which seems ridiculous, really, from where we've we've come from signing him in January to now. But it's just based on the performances. I just don't you you know you don't see anything that you really are, are falling in love with with Mikhailo Mudrik. And yeah, I think we we talked about this in the Forest uh, rev, review that will potentially never get posted. Was that he sort of looked like he didn't really care when he came on against Forest um, as well. So yeah, I, I don't think. I wouldn't. I can't see him starting on Sunday, um, but but we'll see. I guess. As for if you had to guess, how many uh, appearances do you think he made in the Ukrainian league before he came over? I mean, I heard this on the on the podcast from the Athletic. I just can't remember, but it's it's very low. Yeah, it's below fifty. Yeah. So and that's only appearances. I don't think that's even starts. So he's got. He, he hasn't got many minutes. I mean, I think he's. I think he's only played about three thousand minutes. And he or in in yeah, looking at it here. He's played about three and a half thousand minutes. Uh, just very, still very inexperienced. So I think comparing him to maybe to the likes of Saka and stuff, we've he got a couple of seasons under the belt. Even though he's older, maybe isn't the best comparison, but he is worrying. I mean, I'm never going to say a player doesn't care, but I think he's lost. I don't think it's uh, he cares or he doesn't care. I think he, I think he was expecting to go to Arsenal. He came in under Graham Potter, and then you know that was a problem. And then Lampard, I don't think Lampard knew what to do with him. And our Poch is like a disciplinarian slash sort of father figure trying to trying to fit him in. And Poch is going to go play who trusts a little bit more. And I think it's a system issue. I don't think he trusts him to play that left side uh, as he wants. And I think we could definitely see Raheem Sterling go to the left and Medaweke uh, and Palmer play on the right. And Mahalo has got a bit of a problem getting minutes, I think. But, you know, I, th- I will say one thing. Things can change in football. The thing with Mudrik is that he has got a worldie in him. You know, he's, he's scored that amazing goal in pre-season for us. I know it's pre-season. I always go back to that goal he scored against Celtic at Celtic Park last season or season before. I mean, it was just like a, a Hollywood goal. Just ran through about seven players, top corner. Amazing. I mean, if you've got that in your locker, you've got that in your locker. There's no one's going to take that away from you. If you can get a couple goals like that, even coming off the bench, it could turn around for him. But all the stats are getting thrown at him. He hasn't scored a goal for Chelsea. It's only going to build and build, so... We really need him to get hit, get 
I think a goal will obviously really help, and that that actually might be the sort of road to sort of improvement for him. But we have to wait and see. Yeah, if we if we go one or two nil up with seventy minutes left on on Sunday, it's an ideal time to bring him on, where we yeah. can use him in the counter attack, and that might be able to get his confidence up as well. Because yeah, he is looking very low on confidence at the moment. I've got to say. Yeah, I agree. Um, the confidence is clearly an issue, and it, it translated to his performance for Ukraine, which I thought would be a lot better. But yeah, clearly very low in confidence and. I mean, Poch said it's a work in progress, be patient, be patient. And I think we have to be that. And we have to realise he's only four games in. We might be sitting here in March and he's got 10 goals in the league. I mean, it's unlikely, but it could happen. So he's got he's got the talent. And when you've got the talent, um, it's there. But maybe, you know, there's a, under, under De Zerbi, he really flourished. So maybe we need to act, learn from that. But we we'll have to wait and see. Right, let's uh, let's move on to the Bournemouth preview. I know Brady, you've got a few little bits for us on uh, Bournemouth away on Sunday, two PM, live on Sky Sports. Yeah, I don't think me and you have talked so much about international break ever, have we? <laughs> <laughs> that was a real, that was a real deep dive, like Holland on the twenty ones or France on the twenty ones. Like, <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's not really deep dive in the stats. I mean, Bournemouth have actually been a little bit of a bogey team for Chelsea in the last uh, five years. Since that, but apparently we are going to Premier League. Do you know how many times our third kit in the away. last twelve uh, meetings? Uh, we've lost the looks really nice that the third kit. Yeah, I know that's one of our original colours. Four, one of our really four. Well done. Four times we've been. Yeah, we're looking great. We're losing about. Do you know the scores the last time I came to Vitality in our third kit? Wow, what a question that is. The the Vitality in our third kit. Um, can you tell me the colour of the kit? Um, sort of tan. Oh no, uh, turquoisey. I'm looking at a picture of Emerson here, crossing it in. <laughs> Emerson starting is not a good sign. Yeah. Um, the score was two-one Bournemouth. No, it was four-nil Bournemouth. <laughs> Christ. So uh, not a good omen. De De uh, Dubois online, one of the main Chelsea accounts, uh, CFC Du Dubois. Uh, on the um, on X uh, posted that, um, but yeah, not a great omen. But yeah, it's been a bit of um, we've actually done pretty well of vitality. It's actually Bridge have struggled with um, was at the uh, Bridge struggled against Bournemouth. But I mean, Lampard got a win at the uh, <laughs> got a win at Bournemouth last year, so maybe we got a bit of a chance. But um, I will say this game we've, we spoke at, at, at nauseum about the uh, international break. Uh, the variance and the sort of uh, the, the analytics they do they do vary more with the games in after, after international break. There's a lot more unpredictable results. You know, with, uh, the main the, the bigger teams have got a lot of players come, but there's more fatigue. There's a bit more bit of a leveling out basically, um, a little bit anyway, just a, cu- a couple of percentile either way. So post international games, I mean, I remember Tuchel saying once, it's just about getting through them, like a one two nil. So. They are they are tricky these games and it's a tricky place to go because they haven't won yet and they're probably going to look at us as a bit of a wounded animal after Forest so have to see how we get on. I I think uh, people don't realise that I think this is this could be a tricky game for us. I know uh, away games after international breaks always a a pretty tricky games anyway, but we we don't really have a structure and. and formation to to build on at the moment if he, especially if he changes this to a 4231 which i fear that he might on uh, on sunday because i don't think bournemouth offer quite the aerial threat that um other teams do obviously we do have a, a couple of players returning uh reese james potentially benoit badia i know he's been in training i'm under brosia it got leaked by 
his international manager, I think, or someone. It was a bit weird. The Albanian FA just come out and went, yeah, he's fit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he'll be on the bench on Sunday. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. You, you don't work with Chelsea, but fine. <laughs> a bit of uh, early team news from the Albanian FA. Yeah. But yeah, apparently he'll be, he's been training and he'll be on the, the bench potentially on Sunday as well. So that'll be exciting. Um, so yeah, um, some, some players coming back and I think the attack getting a, a bit of a needed bolster with uh, with Broyo coming back which I think you sort of talked about in your Jackson chat earlier as well Yeah I think with Armando coming back I mean just reading again Liam Tooney's uh, athletic piece he did a kind of audit for again fantastic work on the athletic an audit of the sort of Chelsea season so far of all the players and they said the strikers easily the weakest position and you have to say that Amanda Brogia, really, other than David Washington, he's the only number, pure number nine at the club. Jackson's not a pure nine, you'd say. And Kunku's not a pure nine. They kind of merge. He's like nine and a half, ten and a half, whatever you want to call him. Um, so we need Armando, Armando um, firing. And apparently they've got very, very high hopes for him. And I have to say that's a bit of a gamble. I think there's Ivan's, again, we, we actually spoke about it on the last, the last pod. We'll talk about it. Ivan Tony's been linked, and that's really exciting because I think he, I think a, a kind of a player in their prime with Premier League experience is really what Poch is after. And but if if Armando can really hit the ground running, it will help not just him, but but Jackson and the other and the younger players like Madueke and Mudrik. And because if they see the goal scorer, if more goal scorers in a team, it takes pressure. You just feel at the moment, you know, you've got Mudrik hasn't scored a goal for a club. I think Nani's got one against Arsenal because uh, last year, kind of. Um, consolation goal when we got battered 3-1 and you know uh, um, Jackson's only got one goal for the cup we need goal scorers if Amanda can come in and, and, and recreate some of that early form the early Southampton line that'd be fantastic so I am excited to see him um, even even just affect games at the end you know like he's very physical bring him on for corners things like that so yeah I mean you, you're excited to see him I know you're pretty high on him aren't you Absolutely, I I think he's got a really nice ceiling, Amanda Brozier. He's got he's got pace. He's physical play. He's got a great shot on him. Um, he's he's still young. He's got some physicality as well in the Premier League. Obviously, a year's experience on loan. I thought he did really well in a in a very poor Southampton team as well. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I'm excited to see him come back. I I don't think there's much of a difference between him and Nicholas Jackson, to be honest. So no. I d- I don't know what um what will end up shaking out in the attack, but. I would like to see those two play together as well. I think they can play together. Um, I think you can play Sterling on the right and, and Jackson on the left, potentially behind Broyer, and they can rotate. I know Broyer likes to drift out and to the left himself, actually, as well. So, yeah, I, I do think that sort of works. I mean, uh, talk about a macro point, as you know, I like to say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that What does that mean for Mudrick? I mean, if you've got Jackson now as a left-wing option, that really leaves Mudrick in a difficult situation because it might be, he might be looking at third-choice left-wing and might have to to the right wing. So, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. But, um, yeah, I definitely see Nick Jackson. A lot of the clips that you saw with uh, Jackson on the video right now were kind of coming in from the left. Bit of a bit of a Sadio Mane kind of uh, heat map there. So we'll have to wait and see. And um, uh, one player I'm actually really excited to come back is Ben Mar-Badoshili. I mean, um, or Badoshili, as you say. The song is Badoshili, isn't it? Because Lamborghini. But I think it's only actually Badoshili. <laughs> so, so there's a bit of a difference there. But he actually, uh, I don't remember his goal last season against Bournemouth. It was a bit of a John Cole Van Dam karate kick into the goal. Do you remember that goal? Great goal. Yeah. Yeah. Basically the winner. I know Felix got the 3-1. But um, 
Yeah, he's a very, very, all the stats, I mean, City were after him and um, other teams were after him. I think Real Madrid was sniffing around as well. Very high up in this player, was one of the bright spots of a terrible season last year. I'm not saying he walks into the team, but I think he should be starting for the team very, very soon. And he's got a bit of a problem, Poch, and a good problem, a good headache, as they say. Because if he does put Chilwell back to left back, uh, which we're probably maybe considering about... Well, what do you think? Do you think he's going to put Chilwell back to left back in this game? Potentially at 4-2-3-1, yeah, he can, he can play uh, left back. I, I think yeah. Badishil and Colwell are our two best centre-backs. So I think those two should just play together at centre-back. I don't think... Uh, Obviously, I, I don't rate Dezassi so highly from what I've seen so far. Silver won't be able to play every game. And to be honest, in a four, probably doesn't suit him massively anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I think Badishil and Colwell is a nice duo. It's a bit of a sort of every man thing to say, general point to say. But yeah, you have to say that um, it might be a, a kind of a position where Pocha has to kind of ice out, or not ice out, or leave out some of his centre backs or some of his attackers. Because if he goes back to a back four, you're going to have two very high-profile or players who have been starting in Silver and Dezassi uh, on the bench or Colby on the bench or Badiashu on the bench. That's not even factoring uh, Trevor Chalabar, who looks like he's going to be leaving the club by all reports in January. And the club don't seem to want to play him. Or That's another story. But And then obviously, they're Fafana. So we are so stacked at centre-back. I mean, it's like a Royal Rumble back there. They're all fighting for minutes all the time. It's like they're going to be absolutely fist-fighting for minutes. And... It's interesting because I think, in a way, he's kind of relieved that centre-back headache by playing Colwell left-back. But whether he does that going forward is, is a thing. You know, the City played these four centre-backs. I don't know if Poch is going for that, but I don't think it really suits us as well as it does with them. So um, I'd like to see Chilwell back at left-back and maybe in a Mudrick or a Sterling on the left wing, but I have to wait and see. But I would like to see uh, Benoit back in the team very soon. I think he's a fantastic talent. Let's have a quick word about Bournemouth then. What, what, what are we seeing from them? There should be quite a lot of similarities between Bournemouth and Chelsea. You'd never think that. They sat Gary O'Neill, almost Thomas Tuchel style, out the blue. It was very, very... Do you remember that second? Very I don't think I've heard Thomas Tuchel compared to Gary O'Neill often, but here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not, not the managers, but the sacking. It was a shock. Um, Gary O'Neill kept them up, did really well, kept them up comfortably. To be honest. I mean, they were basically on the beach. When they played us, they're already up with five or six games to go, which looked really, really unlikely. They're, and they've actually been bought out by US ownership like us. They're actually partly owned by uh, the uh, Hollywood star Michael B. Jordan, but mainly uh, bought, uh, owned by a guy called Bill Foley, bought for £120 million. And yeah, so I don't know if there's going to be some Budweiser bottles being tapped after the game, but they're very similar uh, models, and that's obviously ours are going to be bigger scale. But similarly, we have had US ownership. And they've got a new manager, uh, Andoni Oriola, who um, used to manage uh, Rayo uh, Vallecano. And similarly, he played and was kind of mentored a bit by Marcelo Bielsa, very similar to Poch. And he plays a very, very great, actually groundbreaking, apparently. I mean, his press in La Liga was seen as jaw-dropping. I'm not sure if Bournemouth have been doing much pressing this season. Um, Haven't really looked at their stats. Still have been playing a bit more conservative, but... If they really press us, that could play into our hands because we're fantastic in transition. And let's be honest, like a uh, low block is like our kryptonite. So if they if they push up the pitch a bit, a little bit like um, Forrest did in the first half, West Ham did in the first half, then that would be great. So I don't mind playing a team like that if they're going to push up and play a high line, especially with players like Mudrick and running in behind Jackson, Sterling, etc. So I have to wait and see. But it would be an interesting matchup. I mean, I think, like I said, I think it would be a tough game and... 
they haven't won a game yet. I think they've got two losses and two draws, but they might look at us a bit of a wounded animal, like I said, and this could be their big statement win. So it's going to be tough. I mean, um, and two managers that obviously Poch is a lot more developed in his uh, career, but their manager is very well rated. So I have to see how they uh, match up. Absolutely. Bournemouth three to one to win at home. Chelsea four to five to get an away win. Um, we will find out on Sunday. What do we think? Let's get a quick score prediction. Brady, what, what do we think? Tough for Chrissy. He's Mr. Positive, isn't he? I think one of us has got to be positive, haven't they? I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. I'm going to go 1-0 Chelsea. Um, I think it'll tight. be a tight game. Yeah, I don't um, think we'll get many goals after. The, there's not usually too many goals after international break, I don't think. I think we're going to have a dire first half. That's what I Ooh, think. Oh, is that, is that, is that, is that yeah, yeah, just what, in, what post from the international break and... Just everyone, just yeah, nothing really going on, and yeah, um, yeah. I think we're we're going to nick a one nil win, and it's it's going to be good for morale. But although there are quite, usually quite a lot of goals in these games against Bournemouth Chelsea, but we have to wait and see. I'll so, do yeah. this prediction mailed in four nil Chelsea. Fantastic performance. <laughs> as long as it's not a four nil Bournemouth and win the third kit again, that'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the new kit might be the most exciting part about. Yeah, I mean, if we're getting beat two nil half time, I have to change kit. <laughs> <laughs> So we can't see each other or something. Yeah. Right, fantastic. That's all we've got time for on today's pod. For more updates on all things ESCR, you can follow us on Twitter, Eat Sleep Chelsea, and Instagram at Eat Sleep Chelsea Repeat. I hope you're carefree wherever you may be. Thanks for listening. <laughs>